Out of honor of the word of the Lord, would you stand with me, please? Thank all of you for here, all of the people that watched. God knows, man, we get texts and emails from everywhere. One verse of scripture, Ephesians 3 and 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. That's my subject. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. Amen. Tomorrow night, um, you know, during the Second War, uh, right before Roosevelt died, Roosevelt used to have things, they were called fireside chats. And he put a sweater on. He just, uh, of course, before television, but on the radio, they just sit in their living room and, and FDR would talk to them and just settle them down. And so... Uh, uh, we've, been, we've been blessed in this church family. We're very, very grateful. And uh, so tomorrow night at 6, I just want to have a little chat with you. And uh, it'll be before our prayer meeting. And the place always on Monday is, I don't know how many people come to prayer. Boy, this place is packed. Now we have other pastors that are visiting. And we have other people bringing their pastors just to be a part of the prayer meeting because they're, it's blessed a lot of people. And so we're grateful for that. But before prayer meeting, I, um, uh, I just want to sit down and have a little talk with you and give you the state of the union address. And uh, we're in a very healthy place. And, you know, we've got these plans to build a new church here in the dirt. That'll take place in the spring of 25. And so we're in a three-year campaign to prepare ourselves for that. And we're, we're very healthy and we're on track for all of that. And it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. But guess what? It's, it's coming and we've already got a bow pal of it. And we're doing our best to get some mold and mildew on it with some interest. And, uh, but uh, I was talking to Brennan and Haley the other night, called them. How you doing? It was obvious they were laying in bed with the baby. And, and uh, I said, you're sleeping like a baby. And he kind of laughed nervously. I said, that means you sleep an hour and then you're awake for two hours and then you sleep an hour. They understood that. Brennan said something powerful to me. He said, imagine, Brother Hoffman, imagine. And I said, what do you mean, Brennan? He said, they told us that Haley would never have children, Brother Hoffman. But if you do the math, when we committed to imagine in April, you do the math, and nine months after we made that commitment to build the new temple, God gave us a baby. And so, uh, Jesus' name. We've got a lot of testimonies, a lot of great stories that have already happened. We're doing our best to keep track of them. In the Bible, they had scribes, and uh, we, we're trying to do that here in the church. I don't want to waste inspiration. I don't want to waste these, you know, you can't have a testimony without a test. You got to pass the test. And uh, we've had a lot of great things happen. And there will, see, people that don't give always say the same thing. I can't afford to give. The people that do give have these great stories. And, and so... We want to compile those stories, and when we move into the new temple, we'll, uh, I, want, I want that to be bound, and we'll just give it away. Thank God for that season in our life that we were able to share. You, you find it two times in the New Testament. One, the short version is in Mark 16. Last chapter of the book of Mark, 
One verse, it said, and afterward he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked. Mark gives one verse. But when you get the book of Luke, chapter 24, the last chapter in the book of Luke, Luke dedicated 16 verses to the same story. It's known as the two that were walking back to Emmaus. They, uh, Emmaus is about eight miles from Jerusalem. These are people that were there when Jesus was crucified. And they saw him die. I don't know how many times in the Bible, and I don't want to get sidetracked right now. There are so many times in the Bible when dreams die and the Lord gives you the dream back. For instance, you got the story of Joseph. Remember, stars were all orbiting around him. The sheaves were bowing down to him. He's 17 when he was sold by his brothers to the band of slave traders, took him down to Egypt. He ends up in Potiphar's house. If you know the story, he ends up in prison on a trumped-up rape charge. It's years. He's 30 years old before he is ever put in front of the king, a guy by the name of Pharaoh, because of one of his cellmates who happened to be a, a, a butler for the king. So Joseph gives the interpretation of these, you know, seven fat cows and the seven lean cows. Going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Going to be seven great years, seven horrible years. You need to start saving grain now. You need to find somebody that you can put over all this. And the king says, well, who could I find any smarter than you? And so in a very short amount of time, Joseph went from prison to, let's call him prime minister. It's kind of like, he was an overnight success, but it was a long, it was a long night. And uh, um, so there's seven years of plenty. So now he's 37 years old. We're into the second year of the famine. He's 39 years old. All of a sudden, these 10 guys walk in the back of what was probably a long haul. I see, see aides bustling, running in and out, and stamping papers. And next, you know, number 42, number 43. And Joseph sees these 10 guys come in the back of the room. And this is what it says. And Joseph remembered the dream. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it was in Potiphar's house, being sold for a slave, going into prison. I don't know, but somewhere in those years, he forgot the dream died that God gave him. But when he saw those brothers walk in, he knew them dudes are going to come up here and they're going to bow down in front of me just like I saw in my dream when I was 17 years old. And there's stories like that through the Bible. God gave Abraham a boy. He's 90 years old, you know. I always get it confused. Was Abraham the oldest or Sarah? Huh? Abraham, Abraham he was 100, she was 90. There's 10 years different. Either way, how many 90-year-old women have you seen with a T-shirt that says baby? You know, it's just not there. And they give him this miraculous son, and God, God tells him, I want you to sacrifice him. And when you deal with Leviticus and you talk about a burnt sacrifice, you've got to cut that thing up. You have to dismember that. You have to lay it very precisely on that altar. 
And that boy says, hey, daddy, you know, <clears throat> we got the knife, we got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? You know, great verse. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. <laughs> and he did. So I see this boy that God miraculously gave Abraham and now you gotta, you gotta kill him. And then God gives him back to him. Look at the disciples. They have this dream. They think they're, they're on the bottom floor of some multi-level marketing scheme. And, and Jesus is going to throw all the Romans out and they're going to get the choice jobs. And then he dies. And all of their dreams are just ashes. These are two people walking back home having put all of their eggs in Jesus' basket. All of a sudden, the duet becomes a trio. And it's really cool because the th it said they didn't know who the third guy was. And he says, why are you so depressed? <laughs> and then they ask this question, where have you been for the last three days? <laughs> It's one of the great verses. There's so many of them, but boy, do I wish I had a copy, a, a, a video, a, 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 an audio recording. It, Jesus, it said, Jesus, and beginning at Moses and the Psalms and the prophets, he went through the whole Old Testament, said, this was me, this was me, this was me, and showed them how, according to the Old Testament, he had to suffer, die, and resurrect the third day. Wouldn't you love to have a recording of Jesus going through the whole Testament saying, that was me, that was me, that was me. That ram caught in a bush, that was me, you know. Hope of a tree, if it dies, that was me. Great stuff. This is what it says in uh, Luke 24 and verse 18. And one of them that's 50. I think it's 18, Brian. Nah, keep going. There we go. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas. See, I've seen a lot of these paintings over the years, and you may have too. There's a famous Christian painting called On the Road to Emmaus. And it's three men walking. But here's the problem with that picture. We just assume that those two people who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus were men. It doesn't say they were men. It just said there were two of them. And, and, and it identifies one of them as a man whose name is Cleophas. And then I found this verse. This is John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother... And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Three Marys at the bottom of his cross. Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, and his mom's sister, who's also named Mary. But we get this little added bit of information. She's the wife of Cleophas. It says in Luke 24, and behold, 
two of them. And people just always assumed it's men. It makes perfect sense to me that Cleophas was walking back home to Emmaus with his wife, Mary. That's conjecture on my part. I, I have no evidence to prove Mary's the other person. But neither do you have evidence to prove they were both men. But this gives an amazing insight into these people. Mary and her husband Cleophas. Because Mary is the sister of the mother of Jesus. Which makes Cleophas his uncle. And I did a lot of homework on this. I, I, I figured it, I was on to something, but I found the book, the writings of a second century historian named Hegesippus. Hegesippus said this, that Cleophas was the brother of Joseph, Mary's husband and stepfather to Jesus. When you, Joseph disappears after Jesus was 12. They go to Jerusalem for the feast. They're coming back home. They just assumed Jesus was somewhere with the relatives. But they got a little nervous and they started checking the wagons. Jesus is not there. Joseph goes back to Jerusalem and it's a fabulous verse. He finds this 12-year-old boy talking with lawyers and doctors. And he gets his boy, taking him back to the wagon train, going back to Nazareth. And he's saying, why did you disappear like that? You scared us to death. Jesus is 12 and he says this, don't you understand I need to be about my father's business? I always wondered, you know, there's a verse, Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I always when was it that it dawned on him? I'm not like everybody else. He obviously knew when he was 12, he was called to something amazing. What's interesting is Joseph disappears we don't have any other mention of Jesus until he's 30. There are lots of theories about what went on. But one thing seems very obvious. Somewhere in that time, Joseph died. I cannot possibly believe that Joseph left Mary based on what he's already put up with. <laughs> this, I mean, think of it, you know. All my boys were girls, man. What would I do if my oldest daughter told me when she was 16, uh, Daddy, I'm going to have a baby. But it's okay. I've never been with a boy. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't. Very few people preach about Joseph. But when you think of the, the faith that Joseph had, and it did help that an angel visited him. That, that helped. And... and, and when you study Leviticus, when your brother died, you, you, you're supposed to take care of your brother's wife and if possible, marry her. So when I understand the culture, 
when Joseph died, it's just very, it's a very easy assumption that his uncle Cleopas plays a role in his life. There's another woman in the Bible. Her name is Salome, Salome, some people call her. This is Mark 16 and verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, if you study Matthew 13, it says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother named Mary? Are not these his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? So Jesus has got at least four half-brothers, and it says, and his sisters, a minimum of two half-sisters. But this is women that are coming to finish embalming, preparing the body of Jesus for burial. His mother is there. Mary Magdalene is there. And there's this woman, Salome or Salome. I found eight different sources. These are second century sources. So we're not far away from these events. Eight different historical sources that were convinced that Salome or Salome was another sister of Mary. So with that in mind, listen to what Matthew 27 and 56 says about the same event. Mark 16 said there was Mary Magdalene, his mother, and Salome. But watch what it says in Matthew 27 and 56 among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. Salome was the mother. She's the wife of Zebedee, which means she's the mother of James and John because they're always referred to as the sons of Zebedee. That makes James and John first cousins to Jesus. And that explains a powerful thing. It's in Matthew 20, probably verse 21. I always wondered what's going on here. And I think I'm onto something. Because in Matthew 20, it says the mother of James and John came to Jesus, worshiping him, beseeching of him a certain thing. In other words, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, by the way, I need something. When you get on your throne, will you make sure John sits on your right and James sits on your left? And I'm thinking, wow, is that arrogant and pretentious to say that. But really now, no, they're first cousins. When you, when you become the CEO, I want you to make sure your, your cousins get taken care of. It, it, it just keeps going and going and going. They're called the sons of thunder. I don't know what all that means. Some people think it was because of their explosive temper. I do know there was one place where Jesus went through a city. He's on his way to Jerusalem, so he doesn't have time to fool around. They get mad at him and they call him a racist. James and John says, hey, why don't you call fire down from heaven and fry them? <laughs> Just barbecue a whole bunch of them. And he said, you, you don't know what spirit you're of, but gives me a little insight into these boys. It, it, it's just, watch. Here's Cleophas. 
the husband of Mary's sister. Let's call him Jesus' uncle. He obviously knew what Jesus looked like before crucifixion. But on the way to Emmaus, he doesn't recognize him. It says their eyes were holding that they didn't know who he was. The same thing happened to Mary Magdalene. Now, I've heard people for years say Mary Magdalene used to be a prostitute. There's no Bible that says that. There is a scripture that calls her a sinner. And then there's an interesting verse that, 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 that is in uh, Mark, I think it's 16 and 9. In 16 and 9, and it says, And Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Now, we have 37 miracles recorded in the Bible that Jesus did. But there's a fascinating verse in, in John. It's either 20 or 21. Uh, Brian will find it for you. It, it says, it's probably 21. There were, there were many other things which Jesus did. The which I suppose if written every one, not even the world could contain the books that could be written. Do you know there's three places in the New Testament where it says they brought the whole city to Jesus and he healed them all. <laughs> I, mean, what, I mean, what would it be like if Jesus was here today? And, and you know, Beaumont's just right up the street. It wouldn't take long, man. Troy Beaumont's empty. Royal Oak Beaumont's empty. Henry Ford's empty. Just get there. There's a guy down there that can heal you. The whole city. So there, there, there are all of these things that he did that we don't know about. But I got hints of it on. Obviously, Mary Magdalene is one of them stories we don't have in the Bible. But he obviously at some time in his ministry cast seven devils out of her. Remember that story? It says, when you, when you clean your house and you sweep it and you garnish it, and if you don't put a strong man in the house, seven worse than the first are coming, which tells me she's a backslider. <laughs> she got clean at one time, but she didn't put something strong in the house. So seven devils worse than the first showed up. But fortunately, something greater than them seven devils showed up and evicted, evicted. Do you know there's a verse in the book of John or Job, rather, it says, out of the womb of a woman are the issues of life, which means if you're going to come to this planet, you have to come through the womb of a woman. Matthew 8 says it. Mark 5 says it. Luke 8 says it. He's known as the demoniac of Gadara. Jesus jumps out of the boat and this, now it's kind of cool because Mark said there's one, Luke said there's one, but Matthew 8 said there was two. And I don't have time to get sidetracked with that. And I'm reading between the lines because these devils, they know who Jesus is. And they said, have you come to torment us before our time? Yeah, basically. <laughs> when I was a kid, they used to have a television commercial. Have you ever had an, an Excedrin headache? A real headache, an excedrin headache. That's what I want to do with Satan. I want to give Satan an excedrin headache. I want to have a harvest so great that it makes the devil pray for the rapture. <laughs> just get out of here. You're just messing up the whole thing, you know. <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. But these demons, they know who Jesus is. It's like... Um, where'd you get the body? 
And Jesus says, I'm here legal. I came through the womb of a woman. Where'd you get yours? Oh, that's not yours, is it? You've got no green card. And he evicts those demons as the trespassers they really are because they didn't come through the womb of a woman. And what fascinates me is I'm convinced Cleophas knew what he looked like. It says in John 20 and verse 15, Jesus said unto her, now if you go to the beginning of the chapter, it identifies the woman as Mary Magdalene. She comes, you know, why seek ye the living among the dead? So she's, she don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden she sees this guy over there and it says she thought he was the gardener. This is the guy that cut the grass among the cemetery stones. She knew what Jesus looked like. She doesn't recognize him physically. But she recognizes the voice when he said, Mary. (laughs) I wondered about that for a long time until I found this verse. It's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 52. And this is what it says. His visage would be marred. It is possible that what Jesus, the agony that Jesus went through, changed his physical features to such a point that people who previously knew him very well didn't recognize him. Or, remember Superman? You got this geek named Clark Kent who walks into this phone booth and all of a sudden, bam, he comes out. That's my mental motto of Jesus. Jesus is the greatest thespian the world has ever known. I've loved that verse in Mark 16 for years. And afterward, he appeared in another form. Have you ever had that happen in your life where where you, you think you're all alone and all of a sudden find out later, he was with me the whole time. See, Jesus doesn't always come in a smile. Sometimes Jesus can come in sadness. Sometimes he can come in failure. I don't care how long you've served the Lord, you still don't know all of his disguises. You don't know all of his get-ups. Jesus has the ability to go in the phone booth and come out and be a totally different person than you've ever known him. And that's the beauty of what we're dealing with here. He can morph. He can change. There's all of these there's all of these things. Okay, I'll, 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 it's snowing. I got to get you out of here and get you some ice cream. Watch. Um, you understand James and John were brothers. Okay? They're called the sons of thunder. You ever heard of Simon Peter? The guy with the keys of the kingdom? Do you know that Peter had a brother by the name of Andrew? And Andrew was actually the one that introduced Peter to Jesus. I I found something fascinating while I was studying for this little lesson. It's just in the 12 disciples, there's this guy by the name of James, the son of Alphaeus. I found four separate sources that said that James, the son of Alphaeus, is the brother of another disciple whose name is Thaddeus. Now, if that's the case, that means of the 12, he's got three sets of brothers in his 12. Do you know that John the Baptist was his cousin? Do you know that Mary 
had a sister by the name of Elizabeth. And when Mary told her cousin that she was carrying this baby, this is cool, man. It said, John the Baptist leaped in her womb. It's not original with me, but I read it a long time ago. It said, which means the first one to actually praise the Messiah was an unborn baby. Now tell me it's just a glob of protoplasm. <laughs> I, I could go on and on and on. So I got to go. I, uh, my daughter lived in New Orleans when that uh, Deepwater Horizon thing happened. And she was working for the oil. She was working for BP Oil. And, and when, when, when that thing blew up, they did their best to... to um, rescue, you know, people that were in the water, all that oil on top of the water. It was a horrible thing. They all, they get them back on a barge. And the man who had been kind of their, their, their boss starts reading out the, the names. If you're here, let me know you're here. And all of a sudden they realize there, there was a place where that gas ignited where it came and all of the there were 11 men that were in that place where the gas ignited first they never found any of them they were just incinerated and it's an amazing story that that they're on this barge and they're burnt and and there's horrible in injury and wounds and when they realized these 11 men were gone without anybody saying anything, they all just fell to their knees and without anybody orchestrating it, they started saying this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Not my Father, our Father. It's the most prayed prayer anywhere in the world, no matter how you cut it. I'm trying to get something across to you. Even from the beginning, Jesus is doing everything he can to get the family together. It's just trying to get the cousins. Trying, I, 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 I can go on and on, but I don't have time to, I don't, it's just stale statistics after a while. I'm telling you to this day, he's doing everything he can to surround himself with his sons and his daughters. Anything he can possibly do to get Jesus himself drew near. Do you know there's a there's this verse that says, and 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 it says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. It says, how many? I, I don't. There's all these places in the Bible where people are taking a walk with the Lord. And, it, and, and it's just, you know, he's with Enoch and, and it's like the Lord said, you know what, Enoch is closer to my house today than it is to yours. Why don't you just come home and go with me? And they're trekking this guy out in the desert and all of a sudden there's no, there's no sandal prints. He's just gone. I like that. Are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking with him? See, there are people who walk with God and there are people who walk with people that walk with God. Okay, Moses walked with God, but, but Korah, he walked with Moses. He didn't walk with God. You, you get in the Bible, uh, uh, Elijah had a protege by the name of Elisha. Elijah walked with God, 
Elisha walked with God. But Elisha has an assistant pastor by the name of Gehazi. He doesn't walk with God. He's just hanging out with Elisha. Paul said, Demas, have forsaken me, having loved this present evil world and has departed to Thessalonica. Paul walked with God. Demas just hung out with Paul. Are you just hanging out with people that walk with the Lord? Or do you have a walk of your own? A real legitimate walk with the Lord. I've told people for years, give me your checkbook and give me your watch and I'll tell you who your God is. Show me what you do with your time and show me what you do with your money and I'll tell you who your God is. It's just, we're at a pivotal point right now. Do you realize that over 3,000 churches went out of business since the pandemic? And they're all saying this thing, you know, crazy thing about, you know, churches are dying and on. And on. <laughs> Let me make a prediction. It's 2033, okay? 2033. Elon Musk is now one of the poorest men in the world because he's hemorrhaged all of his money trying to resuscitate, you know, uh, Twitter, which only has 425 people on the platform in 2033. And Donald Trump is still threatening that I'm going to run for president. And the British media is still putting out 100 articles a day how they're so offended at what Meghan had for lunch that it's offending the royal family. I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from today, but I do know this. The Lord Almighty Omnipotent reigneth. I know that. I know that. I know that. I, 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 I just... They're, right now, right now while we're here, they're burying Lisa Marie Presley in, in Memphis. They're burying her. I, I was on my way to college. My dad was driving with me. August 17th, 1977. I was in Memphis the night Elvis died. And I remember getting up early the next morning and walking past just small mountains of newspapers that said, the king is dead, the king is dead, the king is dead. And I, I felt so bad for this girl reading about her life in the last couple of days. It's like when she was 21, she inherited $100 million. She died penniless, owing millions to creditors and always saying how much of a burden it was to be the daughter of the king. But let me tell you what the word of the Lord says. The blessing of the Lord will make you rich and he will add no sorrow to it. I'm telling you, every, everything I have, everything I have, I owe it to the Lord and to the body of Christ. Every, everything I've got is because of the church. I met my wife when she was 12, 12. They said I was nuts. Her family were like Pentecostal aristocrats and I was a hillbilly from West Virginia and everybody said, you're out of your mind. But there she is, my, 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 my wife, she's there. She, I, I really did get to, I got to marry the queen of the bull. And we ended up, we ended up in Okinawa and, 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 and Kinto, where's Kinto at? Here's our youth pastor right now. Well, I dedicated Kinto when he was this long. My dad was here that day. My dad never cried. But my dad came up on the platform and he's crying. And he said, now, now do you understand? Now do you understand? And I said, what do you mean? See, my dad worked for 30 years for a chemical company. And all he ever got, all he ever got was two weeks paid vacation. But we spent one of those weeks every summer at a camp meeting in Ohio. 
And people say it was crazy to go to church. I'm talking church, man. Not, not church, church, you know. There's church and there's church. We went church, you know. I'm talking nine in the morning, Bible study. Go get some breakfast. All of a sudden have Bible study at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Go back home, have church, start at seven, stay till midnight. Did it again and again. That was our vacation. But that's where I met Renee, see? And see, and I'm married to Renee for five months, five months and her dad said, do you own a passport? I said, I'm, I'm a hillbilly kid. What do you, I don't own a passport. I've never been out of Brook County. He said, would you like to go to Japan? Yes, sir, I would. I would like to go to Japan. Go get a passport. Can you raise 10,000 bucks? Sure, I know lots of people. I'll get money. And I did. A lot of people liked me and supported us. We had the money in a couple of days. We ended up, we're married five months and we end up in Okinawa. First convert was Kento's mom. Kento's mom, is the, to her knowledge, is the first native Okinawan ever been baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit. Spoke with tongues. No one, no one has, she, they think she's the very first one. And I was there preaching and I saw that verse, I think it's in Isaiah. The islands are going to praise me. That's what it said. And then it said somebody from every tribe and every tongue and every kindred. And it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden, my daddy said, don't you get it, Harold? If I would have never taken you and used 50% of my vacation to take you to church, you'd have never met Renee. If you'd never married Renee, you'd never end up in Okinawa. If you'd never ended up in Okinawa, you would have never met Mina. Mina went to University of Texas in Austin, came to visit us, fell in love with Makito, who was a, a Buddhist architect. They got, the, they got married, got baptized, Holy Ghost, got these kids. That's the youth pastor right now. You understand that? That's called generational pastoring. That, that's, that, that, it's just like the Bible said your steps are ordered. Your times are in his hand. It's like the puppet master of the universe is just pulling these strings. You're not here by accident today. Stand. Stand. It's just... My, my, my God, have mercy. It's just, I, I, I was in Orlando. I think that's what we were in Orlando. And all of a sudden I got this call. Hi, Harold, it's Joseph. My oldest ministry friend, Joseph Burr. I, I wish I could tell you Joseph's testimony. Just got shot by his brother when he was 14. Blew his leg off horrible ended up in hospital some nurse started witnessing to him about Jesus Joseph just cussing her out she put a bible by his table and he'd throw that bible at her and cuss her out when Joseph got released from the hospital after being there for three months he had a bivalve cast on that thing is you know it pump up he goes home his mom didn't nobody even nobody even came to pick him up from the hospital he opens this little bag, and in the top of that bag is that Bible. And he grabs that Bible, and he says, Jesus, I'm going to put this Bible on my leg, and I'm going to take this cast off. And if I can walk, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. But if I can't walk, you're a blankety-blankety-blank liar. And he took the bivalve cast off, and he put that Bible on his knee. Even to this day, he has no connective tissue on his x-rays, but he can walk. He ended up going to church. You can understand, he, he's just a young teenager. He had a pastor that molested him and two other boys. One of the boys committed suicide 
the other one went completely mentally insane. He had the, un, the horrible task of having to report his pastor for molesting him. He had to stand in front of a board of elders in Florida. We go to Bible school. I'm meeting him. He's 18. He's looking at this atlas. I had this book of maps. Every night I came home from work, Joseph is sitting looking at these maps. And I said, Burr, what is it with you and all them stupid maps? And he looks at me and he says, one of these days, Harold, I'm going to be a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country in South America. <laughs> and I said, yeah, right. We're just goobers, him and me. Years later, he goes to meet a, uh, he preaches in a church in Pensacola, Florida. And the pastor said, where did you go to church? And he said, I went to church in Fort Walton Beach. He said, who is your pastor? And he told him the name of this man. And this elder, his name was Paul Welch said, oh my God. I was a pedophile. He said, you know, years ago I was on a district board and there was a boy from Fort Walton that testified in front of us about his pastor. And Joseph started crying and said, that was me. And he said, how in the name of God did you ever get in church? And he said, my brother shot me. And a lady, little chubby Mexican nurse, put a Bible in my bag and God healed me. Do you remember her name? And Joseph told Paul Welch the name of the nurse. They went to service that night to raise money to support Joseph and Loretta to go to Paraguay. Paul Welch said, I got a surprise for you, Brother Burr. <laughs> Maria, come here. And that chubby little gray-haired lady came out of the crowd. She was the nurse that gave him the Bible. I'm in Orlando this week. I get a call. It's Joseph Harold. Where are you? I'm in Ecuador. What do you mean you're in Ecuador? You're the superintendent of Paraguay. Yeah, but they gave me another job. I said, they did? Yeah, they, they gave me Peru. I said, well, what are you doing in Ecuador? He said, they gave me Ecuador too. I said, you're, you're the superintendent of Paraguay and Peru and Ecuador? He said, no, my oldest son is now the, 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 the superintendent of Paraguay. I just only have Peru and Ecuador. Where are you at, Lene? Come here. We played a major role in starting the New Heights School in Asuncion, Paraguay. Come here. See, in Paraguay, the boys only get to go to school, not the girls. But my friend Joseph and Loretta built a school for girls in Asuncion. It flourished. This church has supported it every year and played a major role in that, in that school. <laughs> now, there's a three-year waiting list to get into that school. And the parents have begged the boys to let the boys come because their test scores are the best in the entire nation of Paraguay. 
Lene just graduated from seminary. She's leaving in just two weeks to teach in the school in Asuncion, Paraguay. And we're going to pray for her right now. <laughs> Look, I, wouldn't embar- I won't embarrass you for nothing in the world, but if, would you just come up here? Whoever you are, I don't care who you are, just, just come up here and stretch your hand and we're going to pray for this girl right now. All right? Lord Jesus, I'm a, I'm a common man. I don't, I don't have any power of my own. Any power that I have is leased or borrowed from you. But your word says, freely we have received and freely we give away. And so right now, by the authority of the word of God and the power in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, I separate this young woman to the work that you've called her in South America. I ask you, Lord, just let her be the mighty weapon that we've always known you called her to be. We're asking you to go. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I ask you, Father, to be with her. Your word says we can have a foundation of your word. So put, put, put a foundation beneath her. Put a hedge of protection around her. Put a canopy of submission over her. Guide her, guard her, go with her. Enable her, Lord, to just be a mighty, 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 mighty weapon. And that thousands of young people will come to you because of her witness and her walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 John, where's John? Bring, get your sweetheart. Come here. You know, the Bible said our steps are ordered. Steps are ordered. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, these are givers. The greatest, greatest people I've ever met are givers and forgivers. And these people are, it was so apparent to me yesterday, their heart is in the kingdom. I'm asking you to bless their business. Your word says that wherever the sole of our foot would walk, you'd bless it, that you'd give it to us for an inheritance. You said from our uprising to our downsitting, your word says we would be the head, not the tail. You said we'd be the lender, not the borrower. You said you would be the basket and the store. You said that you would direct our path and our steps. Lord Jesus, I don't know these people well, but I know you well, and I know what you've done in my life and in my family, and they are no less, and they are no more than me. And so, not because I am superior to them, Nobody in this room knows as much about you as they could do. Nobody in this room is as close to you as they could be. But simply out of obedience to your word, I put my hand on them and I ask you, God, to let them flourish because these are not stingy people. These are not greedy people. This is not about me and mine. And when their barns get full, they're not gonna tear it down and build a bigger barn. They're gonna bless you for filling up their barn, but then they're gonna bless other things. I ask you, God, right now, for their family, for their family, for their, for their family. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Protect their girls. Protect their family. Oh, Jesus. I'm asking you to use this couple as a, as a pilot program. Use them as a billboard and a marquee. 
use them that others can look at and say, how in the world did that ever happen to those two people? But your word says, you'll take the weak and you'll confound the mighty. You'll take the simple and you'll confound the wise. And John and his wife and I right now freely confess, we're the simplest people there's ever been. We're the weakest people there has ever been. But when we're weak, you are strong. And we're asking you, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, allow them, God, to be mightily used in the Holy Ghost. Allow them, God, and whatever they touch, let it flourish and let it bloom and blossom to the glory of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We pray and call it done. Amen. Clap your hands, all ye people. Don't just clap. Clap and shout. Clap your hands and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh God. Put a bond. Put a bond between me and these people, Lord. That'll last the rest of our natural life. I ask you, God, I need these people in my life, and they need me in their life. And together, God, if you said if two or three agree on earth as touching anyone's thing, it'll be done. So the three of us are gathered together in your name. And we believe, Lord, you're going to give us the desires of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray and call it done. Amen. dummy what see there's so much revelation here he said go show yourself to the priest that guy knew who the real high priest was it wasn't the guy in the temple it was the guy standing in front of him right there Jesus our great high priest this is what Jesus said to the Samaritan leper thy faith hath made thee 
So they go to breakfast, all 10 of them the next day. They're fumbling with their nubs, with the spoons. And all of a sudden, he's got all fingers, all of his toes. He's got the end of his ears and the end of his nose. And they're going, where'd you get them fingers? And he said, I went back. I went back and worshiped. I wish I had time to teach you about the power of restoration worship, but we don't have time right now. But look at the words. See, he healed all 10 of them, but only one of them was made whole. Here's my message today. The whole family. Remember that? All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together. This is what the prophet said. Just give me an ear or a piece of a tail and I'll put you back together again. That's the power of the kingdom. That's the power of the body of Christ. You can repair and mend and restore and put things back together even better than they used to be. That's what we want. When we say the whole family, we don't want just all of them there. We want them whole. Not just healed, whole. <laughs> Look, there's something really sweet out there in the lobby and it's gonna melt if I don't hush up and let you go. Lord Jesus, it's been an honor to be in this house on a snowy day. Paul one time told a boy, get my parchments, get my coat, do your best to come before winter. Well, we're in the middle of it right now, Lord, but in the midst of all this cold, there's a warmth in our spirit because we have one another and we have you. Your word says that it started out with one voice, but in the end, it was a duet. The spirit and the bride said, come. So this church is gonna do the very best we can to sing along with the spirit and make an invitation to this community and to the world. I'm asking you, God, that the footprint of this congregation will be felt around the world in the name of Jesus. Guide and guard us. Go with these precious people. Keep them safe until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in church today. You've made my heart. <laughs> Greet one another. Show yourself kind to one another. <laughs>